0: Welcome to the 905 podcast. My name is Joel Luntana. I am Joel McLeod. News moves fast. On September the 15th, we interviewed Dave Meslin, one of Canada's most prominent activists for democratic reform, about the benefits of ranked ballots for municipalities in the 905 region. At the time, both Burlington and Mississauga had recently passed motions which suggested they were seriously exploring ranked ballots as an option. Other cities, Kingston and Cambridge, had already held referendums which showed strong support for adopting ranked ballots in both cases. London, meanwhile, had gone further and had been the first city council in Canada to be elected by ranked ballots in 2018. Then, last Tuesday, Doug Ford and the provincial government, without warning, decided to use an omnibus bill to introduce legislation that would strip municipalities of the ability to decide for themselves on the matter of ranked ballots. This far-reaching policy was tacked on to what was supposed to be a COVID-19 recovery bill. When asked for justification for this change of provincial policy, a spokesperson for the Ministry of Municipal Affairs and Housing told the CBC, now is not the time for municipalities to experiment with costly changes to how municipal elections are conducted. To address the validity of the province's explanations, uh, as well as the long-term implications of this change, today we're joined by Councillor Jesse Helmer from London, Uh, Jesse Helmer is Deputy Mayor of London, Ontario and Councillor for the City's Ward 4. Uh, He is currently in his second term as Councillor, having won under both First Past the Post in 2014 and Ranked Ballots in 2018. He was at the forefront of the move to adopt Ranked Ballots in London and has been a prominent advocate of the benefits of Ranked Ballots for municipal elections. Uh, We should note we also reached out to several 905 Region PC MPPs to come on to speak to their government's decision, but none were available. Finally, our Thursday episode this week will be centred on an interview with Mayor Marianne Mead Ward from Burlington and what this means for Burlington's efforts to reform its electoral process. So welcome to the podcast, Councillor Helmer. Thanks so much for joining us today. And let's start off by just just asking, was this completely out of the blue to you, or did you have any inkling that this might be something the uh, provincial government was considering?
1: No, it was a total surprise. I I found out about it uh, when they announced it earlier this week. And uh, in fact, I was on my way into a committee meeting, Uh, When I got this news release online and uh, I set up a petition on my website to try and mobilize people uh, to say, hey, uh, stop trying to make a switch back to first past the post. Uh, Let's keep uh, the freedom to choose a different electoral system at the municipal level in the hands of the voters and the elected officials in in each municipality. So it was a total surprise. It's not something the uh, conservatives had campaigned on. Um, frankly, I think they, everyone expects them to be focused on things related to the pandemic right now. And here's something kind of out of the blue uh, about municipal electoral systems, which uh, they've done no consultation on whatsoever. And so everyone is caught by surprise.
0: Why, why do you think they've decided to do this? Because it, it seems this isn't a, a really a partisan issue as far as I can see. What advantage is there to them in stopping cities deciding for themselves what to do with ranked ballots?
1: Uh, It's a bit of a puzzle. I mean, honestly, it doesn't really even fit with uh, conservative political philosophy. You know, among a lot of conservative supporters and conservative politicians, there's a pretty strong belief that you should have decisions made at the level that's closest to the relevant people and uh, the municipality should be empowered. And uh, that's something I think you'd find a lot of agreement on with a lot of conservative politicians. And yet here's something saying, uh, no, instead of you having the ability to choose and have the people in your community express their desire to switch, uh, we're going to say from Queen's Park that, sorry, one size fits all, we're going to make every place use the exact same system, and it doesn't matter if you want to switch, uh, you're not allowed. And I think it just runs really contrary to, frankly, just conservative political philosophy. I don't, I, I don't think it's um, very consistent. It's a bit of a puzzle why they're doing it. Um, I think it might be perceived to be bad for them at the partisan level, uh, where they could see you know, Green and NDP and Liberal votes consolidate, and they might have a political problem on their hands under ranked ballot. But at the municipal level, we don't have parties. Uh, You know, we've had one municipality move forward uh, with ranked ballots. A couple more are looking at it. Uh, I don't really see what the problem is that they're trying to fix
2: at the municipal level. So, Councillor Helmer, would you qualify London's experience with ranked ballots to be a success or a failure at this point? I thought it was
1: a very good uh, success in implementing electoral reform at the municipal level. And I would say, first of all, it was award-winning. The clerk's team and the election staff received awards for their implementation of ranked ballots. Uh, It was a bit challenging because we were the only municipality going ahead, uh, and there was not a lot of direct support from the province uh, to make it happen. So the costs were on the municipality. They wouldn't certify the equipment, so we had to do our own auditing to make sure that it was good. Um, And it was pretty much flawless in terms of execution. Um, A lot of people ranked. So we had, you know, upwards of 65% of people ranking um, their choices, despite the fact that many of the candidates in the election, especially at the mayoral level, uh, were explicitly advising people to not rank. I I don't really know why they thought that was a good uh, strategy. It, It certainly isn't a good strategy in a ranked ballot system. But they were sending that message out to people. And despite that, lots of people ranked. And it makes sense because... It's a very easy thing to say, you know, this is my first choice. This is my next choice if I can't have my first choice. And I guess if I can't have my second choice, here's my third choice. It's very easy. And and people can make those judgments. And we saw them do that in the tens of thousands in London. And it was, I thought it was a good success. We saw a a very concrete example of it. Um, We had people run in the election who wouldn't have run if it was first past the post. So, you know, it's changing who seeks office. Uh, in the first place, having the different electoral system. And I think that that's a really important change. Uh, We saw that with Ariel Cayabaga in our downtown ward.
2: Okay, on that note, as Roland mentioned at the introduction, we reached out to a number of progressive conservative MPPs here in the 905 region, uh, particularly in Burlington as well as Mississauga, to invite them to explain their rationale for this decision. Uh, As of recording, only one office has replied to that invitation, Uh, Jane McKenna, MPP for Burlington, declined to participate. However, her office did provide a statement in an email, and I just want to read one piece of it because I think it would pertain to you as a councillor for London, and I just want your reaction to it. One of the rationales against the ranked ballots was this, and I quote, The City of London became the first Ontario municipality to hold a ranked ballot election. The cost of administering a ranked ballot in London was 31% higher than a typical first-past-the-post election, end quote. I'm offering up to you, would you like to comment on this statement as to its validity or what the how the impact of a ranked ballot system would be? Yeah, this is a great example of
1: where, you know, if the province had bothered to talk to us about our experience before they implemented these changes or introduced legislation to get rid of the option, we could have explained what actually happened, and I, we wouldn't have these misunderstandings. So, of course, the costs were a bit higher than your normal election. We had to change the electoral system. So we had $200,000 that we spent to do a consultation in advance to say, Londoners, do you want to change? And here's what's going on, and this is what it would mean. Uh, we will not have to repeat that in subsequent election cycles. That's a sort of one-time thing. And that's $200,000 of the $500,000 associated with the sort of rank ballot uh, change. Then you got the auditing, which we had to do separately from um, the normal election process. Because the province wouldn't certify the equipment, we had to have our own auditors. That was 150000 So right there, you're at three hundred and fifty out of the 500000 And then you got the incremental direct cost, which is about $50,000. And why is it $50,000? Because you have to have more tabulator machines, and you have to have a larger ballot. And the reason you have to have a larger ballot is because you're going to collect three times as much information from people. So, yes, it costs a very small amount more per person. So we're talking $0.33 cents per person per year for all of those costs right? Because elections don't happen every year, they happen every four years. So it's 33 cents per person per year, and you get three times as much information about what people want. So that is great value for money. Uh, Elections do cost money. They're very important. And I mean, I'm willing to spend money on elections. And I think every politician in a democratic society should not be going, I think where we should save money is cutting down on the cost of elections.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I was going to make exactly that point that Even if there are moderately higher costs, and your description establishes just how moderate they are, and also that that these are often one-time costs, not costs that would repeat election over election, compared with, um, and this is a number I picked because it's one that's very familiar to me, the region of Halton is currently spending a billion and a half dollars to widen a couple of kilometers of road in Halton, Highway 5, from four lanes to six lanes. Those kind of sums of money, when you compare that to, to like a minor increase in the cost of an election, put this into context that you know, no one's going to be getting a lower tax bill because ranked ballots were abolished. Now, that's not a question. That's just me making a statement, which I sometimes do. But is there actually going to be a cost to you in having to return now to a first-past-the-post method of election?
1: Uh, absolutely. And I mean, this is, this is the unfortunate part about the way that they're going about even introducing the legislation. No no consultation, no warning, uh, you know, partway through the term a couple years out from the election. So we've already been planning to run the ranked ballot uh, election for 2022. In fact, we entered into a two-election cycle contract with the service provider, so we get a better price. So now we're in the situation where, I mean, if they go ahead with the legislation, we're going to be incurring a whole bunch of extra one-time costs, just like we did last time, We'll incur them again. So we'll throw out all the value, well, most of the value of the one-time costs we incurred the first time. We'll incur new one-time costs now to switch back and have to explain what's going on. Um, And so our costs are going to go up. So we're being forced to change. We're incurring extra costs. These are the things that the province is saying are not necessary right now, right? And so they need to just leave it in the hands of municipalities and the people in those places. If they want to switch let them switch. If they don't want to switch, they're not going to switch. There's no problem that this is a solution in search
2: of a problem. Well, on that note, Doug Ford and the PC government during the entire pandemic has been constantly delegating uh, the responsibility over the COVID-19 response down to the public health units and to municipalities. Uh, you guys decide masking protocols for small businesses is left to you guys to, to decide that. Uh, as an example, I'm wondering, maybe you can chime in on a bit of the hypocrisy of, like, why is it okay to delegate that kind of responsibility to make that decision for a municipality? Because that's such a unique matter to you, which it could be a matter of life and death, uh, without trying to sound too hyperbolic. Uh, But it's not okay for you, the municipality, to decide how to elect your own city council. I just maybe want to chime in on that kind of discrepancy right now in the provincial political landscape. I would just say two things about
1: that. You know, one is um, municipalities have to make all kinds of important decisions uh, all the time, and that's why we have elected local councils. um, So they have the democratic legitimacy to deal with those issues and to make decisions that make sense for their communities. You know, what's going on with the pandemic is one of many areas where municipalities have to make important decisions. And I I would say, um, I would give credit to the province. I think we've seen some... Of the absolute best of federalism throughout the pandemic at points. You know, I think that the province and the federal government are starting to work together in a way that when you often have different uh, parties in power, doesn't always happen. And I think they've been working pretty well with municipalities on a whole range of issues. You know, we have huge financial problems because of the pandemic. Eventually, the province and the federal government work it out, and they figure out a way to support municipalities. It's not necessarily covering every problem we've got but it's really helping and they've done a very good job i i think on a number of these fronts and then we have this thing that just kind of comes out of left field total distraction you know we don't i don't want to be talking about it we've already decided what we're doing we want to go ahead we've got other things to be focused on and now instead we're having to write letters to queen's park and call up the premier and try and talk him out of going ahead with something that uh, you know justin Diciano and nick kuvalis uh don't want people to adopt ranked ballots. And I think he's, he's spending too much time listening to guys like that and not listening to the people in Kingston and Cambridge and London who are saying, we want to change the electoral system. I mean, Kingston voted in a referendum. Over 60% of people wanted to switch. And they're going to say, sorry, no,
0: you can't do that. Yeah, referendums. For goodness sake, you've gone on to all the trouble of asking people, uh, and the two referendums that have been held have both been strongly in favour of adopting ranked ballots, uh, as you say, Kingston particularly so. Yeah, it's very frustrating, and it seems so unnecessary. It should be said that, I mean, there are also there are mayors within Ontario, within 9 and 5, actually, who are not fans of ranked ballots. Um, so Mayor Bonnie Crombie of Mississauga, she actually said... Mrs. Argo was considering ranked ballots briefly, and she said that she considered ranked ballots to be undemocratic and that they allowed people to vote multiple times. Is that true?
1: I don't think so. I mean, it's a funny peculiarity of our municipal election system in Ontario, but people can vote multiple times now. Um, Many people don't realize that, but if you're a property owner in multiple municipalities, uh, you can vote in all those elections. And uh, so rich people who own a lot of property get to vote a bunch of times. And in fact, you can own property in a municipality, not even live there and run for office in that municipality just by virtue of your property ownership. So the electoral rules at the municipal level are uh, a bit biased towards property owners. Uh, They allow multiple voting. They deny voting rights to permanent residents who live in the city. Even if they've lived here 20 years and they've been paying property taxes, they still can't vote because they're not citizens. In places like Toronto and London, where we have a lot of permanent residents who are not citizens, that is a huge disenfranchisement from voting. Mm-hmm. And so there's other problems in the municipal electoral system that need to be addressed, but rank ballots, they just allow you to collect more information about what people want. If they don't have three choices, they don't have to vote three times. You know, if they if they only want to rank one person, they could just rank one person. Uh, if they do want to express their preferences, they can. And then in the case where their first choice uh, is not at the top of the ballot after the first round. Those second and third choices kick in so that they and and I'll tell you, at the end of the day, you know, we had a situation with our mayor. So Ed Holder was leading on the first round. By the end of the rounds of counting, uh, he had over 50 percent of the vote and he knew that he had a lot of second and third choice support all throughout the city. And so he has more of a Democratic mandate and he knows that because of the rank ballot system. So it's not undermining democracy. It's just collecting more information from people. Uh, it's just letting them give a bit broader sense of what they want and who they support, and I think it's an improvement at the local level. You know, it doesn't it doesn't fix everything uh, that's wrong in our local democracy. It it just does this one part, which I think is is quite helpful.
2: Is the argument that the Tories are putting forward to the people of Ontario that this is too complicated and it's something that people can't get their head around, etc. A bit of a disservice considering that every single member of provincial parliament was nominated through a ranked ballot system at the party level, particularly Doug Ford. I mean, we all remember watching that that event a few years ago of who was going to support Doug Ford and dropping ballots and, and all that stuff. I mean, we all know that the parties operate on this system. So isn't it a bit of a disservice to say, well, the average citizen of Ontario can understand this process, but we can essentially, all the parties operate on the system itself.
1: Yeah, it's not complicated to sort things in order. And uh, even from the age of like five or six, kids can start saying like, this is what I like the most and this is what I like second. People do it all the time. You know, they're like, sometimes I want to have a cheeseburger, but like my backup is maybe I'll have a chicken Chicken sandwich, you know, like it's just people do this all the time in their life, and it's a normal thing. Yeah, it's just it's just new in politics. It's not really complicated to to decide who your first choice is and who your second choice is. Um, people are doing that all the time, and and I think there was some skepticism when we made the change in London. There was a lot of concern, you know, is this confusing? And 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 we tried to explain because really, it's not uh, complicated. You just kind of rank your your choices. The counting is a little bit complicated. If you start talking about how everything gets counted and the different rounds and everything, that can get a bit confusing. But honestly, people don't care about that. It's just to say, what is your preference? Uh, put it in the box, and then we'll do the counting, and then you'll see at the end uh, what the democratic mandate is for the people who win. And what's really great about ranked balloting is that you get situations where the winner has half of the support, and in, in a first-past-the-post system at a municipal level, like, you can have people elected with 19%, 25% of the vote. So you've got 75% of the people who voted voted for someone else, and the, and the person is elected. And, I mean, that's a very weak Democratic mandate, very weak. And ranked ballots really solve that problem. So, you know, they don't fix everything, but they are pretty easy. Uh, people have, having used them, people, even people who are skeptical said, you know what, that was better. Uh, So some people were convinced after actually having the experience of ranking people and seeing the results. Um, And I I don't think it's complicated. It's frankly insulting to say
2: people can't count to three or they can't put things in order. They do it all the time. So I was just going to ask this question, but I think you just answered it, Jesse. So the people of London are showing no regrets with the current city council that they've elected. There's no crisis of confidence in your ability to govern and pass uh, bylaws in London. Is there?
1: Not related to ranked ballots, you know, I I think people have disagreements (laughs) with the decisions we make at City Council, but uh, no, we had a bunch of new people elected, Uh, you know, some incumbents lost, some incumbents were reelected. We had a couple of odd races in the last uh, campaign where, even though it was a ranked ballot, we only had two candidates in a couple of races, so, you know, that was a bit odd. Uh, That happened uh, in Ward 7 and Ward 6, there there were not even more than two candidates. Um, But in other cases, you know, they went multiple rounds, you know, six, seven, eight rounds, Uh, of counting and I think people got to see that it happened the day after you know the election so the results were not the first like that night they had to wait till the next day and they rolled out each ward round by round and so people were able to tune in and kind of follow along and I think that actually helped build understanding about how the counting side works and so now I think there's you know there's not unanimous support for ranked ballots I mean that 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 would not be the case there's lots of people who think it's unnecessary they prefer first past the post they just want to go back to it they only ranked one person that um, they don't like ranked ballots. But I, I do think it was very successful. I think people are warming up to the idea. I think it's kind of more popular now than it was when we were bringing it in in the first place because people have had the chance to use it. They saw what it was like and they liked it.
0: So I was wondering if you could actually speak to, so your colleague who was elected for the first time in 2018, Ariella Cuyabaga. I wonder if you could speak to her experience because I know ranked ballots had a bearing on her uh, decision to run. Yeah, she said that. And I, I think there's a, a myth
1: that, unfortunately, the provincial government keeps repeating, which is, you know, ranked ballots didn't change the outcome. Uh, and what they mean by that is that people who were leading in the first round were also leading in the last round. And that was the case. So we didn't have people switching orders. Um, and that's really just an artifact of how people voted. Had, you know, it could have happened. It just didn't happen. But what's interesting is it does change who runs in the first place. Right. So Ariel has said I wouldn't have run under first past the post, but ranked ballots gave me a chance that, you know, I I thought I could go out there and I could convince people if I'm not your first choice, you could vote for me as your second choice. And by the end, you know, Ariel had a bigger vote share on the final round than she did on the first round. And she knew the depth of her support in her ward. Uh, You know, she's the first black female counselor elected to our council ever. Um, And so I, I think it's important from a representation perspective that, if we can create an electoral system that's more accessible that encourages more new people to run that makes it easier frankly to take out incumbents who uh, often stick around way too long uh, in municipal politics that's an improvement in and of itself if we make it more accessible we make it easier for new people to get involved we take one of those barriers away because what happens is a lot of times when you've got new people who are looking to run there's also other people who, who may have a lot of similar views uh, they're also thinking about running. And there's this kind of informal kind of primary uh, under first past the post, which is to say who, which one is going to run against this incumbent. And uh, that happens, you know, on the more conservative side of the uh, candidates and also on the more progressive side, depending on who the incumbent is. And I had the experience in 2014 where I was running against an, uh, a, an incumbent. Um, there was another uh, challenger who was running, uh, Cheryl Ruth, She was wonderful. We agreed on lots of things. We're coming up closer to election day. She's looking at, you know, the signs and the number of supporters and how it's going. And she decided to drop out because she wanted that incumbent to lose so badly. Uh, She was looking at, it and she said, you seem to be ahead of me. So I'm going to drop out. She endorsed me. And, you know, I ended up beating uh, him. It could have possibly gone the other way. You know, if I dropped out and endorsed her, maybe she would have won, but she had to make that choice. And I don't think it's an accident that the dynamic was male incumbent, uh, male candidate in second place, uh, female candidate in a close third. And the female candidate is the one who decides to drop out and do the thing that's better for the community overall. And that's the bullshit that happens in first past the post and rank ballots. You don't have to do that. Maybe on
2: that note, you can go a bit into what was the experience like running, because you've run underneath the first past the post, and then you've also run in a ranked ballot system. And I'm wondering, like Roland and I have been involved, volunteering on many, many uh, political campaigns at all levels of government, and we know what it's like on the ground. We know what it's like knocking on doors and, and making your pitch to the people. I'm wondering, you as a candidate, what can you tell us, what was the experience like underneath the two systems, having run in both? It was definitely different,
1: um, and I think in a good way. So uh, I had five uh, challengers running against me. So I was, instead of being the challenger, I was now the incumbent. And we had a very uh, controversial issue in the election, which was building rapid transit in our city. And essentially all five of the other candidates were against the rapid transit project, and I was the only one who was in favor. So you can imagine that a lot of their support was going to consolidate um, yeah, sort of against rapid transit. But it was interesting with the ranked ballot was, um, you know, the previous incumbent was running again, so he was trying to come back, and uh, he finished in second. But you can see uh, in the votes that even some of his supporters, you know, they ranked me second. Um, even some of the person who was in third, you know, her supporters ranked me second. And a lot of people, uh, I think, they agreed with me on a lot of things, but not rapid transit. And the ranked ballot let them, you know, put me somewhere on their ballot, but not first as a way of sending me a signal like, hey, I don't really like this. And I certainly heard that at the door. You know, they said, yeah, I'm not going to vote for you first, but yeah, I'll put you third. Um, and so it was a different experience. Uh, it didn't change the uh, campaign dynamics quite as much as you might think, you know, this sort of civility argument. Um, but some of that is just a function of who runs as candidates. You know, um, you, you can't change people fundamentally who they are uh, just by changing the electoral system. So I I definitely think there was some looking for second and third choice votes, but the person who came second in my race, he was actively telling people don't rank anyone other than me. Don't rank, don't rank, which obviously was a strategy that backfired very significantly for him, but um, they were saying things like that. So it was um, for the first time out, I thought it was very good uh definitely there was a lot of conversation about, you know, who's your second choice? Would you consider me a second choice? Uh, and I think for new people, um, it was good for them to be able to see that they had second and third choice support among my supporters, right? So that if they were not going to vote for me, that they would have voted for the person who came third or, or the person who came second, they could see that and they can get a sense of if they run again, um, you know, how much support could they have
0: wondering finally and we'll have to draw it to a close here but do you think that i mean you've had one go through with ranked ballots do you think the the benefits that are often talked about i mean things like um civility and you know appealing more to things that are common between candidates rather than the things that separate them do you think those might grow over time or do you think those are just advocates being a little bit over optimistic about human nature
1: yeah i think it your mileage may vary, you know, like uh, I do think it takes a bit before people really adapt their campaign tactics. You know, it was pretty new. And, um, most of the people who were uh, running against uh, me who are challengers, you know, they were not, um, experienced campaigners. These were, they were new to municipal elections in the first place. So this is not, there's their first ranked ballot election. It was their first election at all. And, um, at the mayoral level, uh, I think we saw more sophisticated campaigning uh, than we saw necessarily at all the ward level campaigns. And I think people were messaging a bit more around second and third choice support. One was one thing that was interesting was we had a four-way race, essentially, for mayor. It's very common to have a sort of two-way race. And, and having the four-way race was, I think, uh, much more interesting from a sort of rank ballot perspective. Uh, so, And I do think people change their tactics to fit the specific circumstances that they're in. And um, I don't think it changes everything. It doesn't fix all the problems you've got in campaigning. And, and I don't think it's going to change deep-seated problems in our politics and our political culture. But it, I think it can help new people run. It can make it a bit more accessible. It can make it harder for incumbents to get reelected on very thin democratic mandates. Uh, it makes it, uh, I think, it overall is going to make municipal politicians more responsive um, and, and try and focus on those areas where they do have some common ground. Um, and, you know, if it leads to uh, less permanent incumbent kind of positioning, uh, I think that's good in the long run for for our local democracies. Um, I don't think having councillors around for 25 or 30 years is, is really a good thing.
0: Um, one absolutely final question, uh, just kind of going off w- what you just said looking in a slightly wider picture, what other things would you like to see, you know, if ranked ballots are maybe one element in how municipal government can maybe become more central and perceived as more valuable to our lives in some ways, because it tends to come third in the kind of who's following politics race. What other things do you think are good ideas that cities could maybe be adopting or the province perhaps under a different government might be willing to encourage us to uh, look into? Uh, the number one thing I would change after making sure they stop taking away ranked ballots
1: um, would be enfranchising permanent residents. Um, you know, in in Toronto, you have hundreds of thousands of people who live in the city and aren't able to participate in their local democracy. These are people who are paying paying taxes and have no representation um, and no voice in choosing their representatives. So I, I think adding permanent residents uh, into the electoral system. At the municipal level, it makes a lot of sense, um, especially because we're so reliant on property taxes and we know everybody who's a resident, whether you're paying it through your rent indirectly or you own your home and you're paying your property taxes directly, you're paying property taxes one way or the other. And, you know, I think you have to have uh, representation and political voice for everybody in your community if you're going to get decisions that are actually good for everybody uh, in the community. So that is the number one uh, priority for me. Uh, at the municipal level, I think that would really help. Uh, I know that that's one that there was some traction on in Toronto for a while, and then it kind of drifted off the radar, I think. Uh, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that come back. Um, When they removed people from the electoral lists in Toronto, um, they compared them to the provincial and federal lists, and they dropped off a bunch of people because they realized they were not citizens. And um, we're talking hundreds of thousands of people who were removed from the electoral list when they did that.
0: I know actually just from experience here in Burlington that, you know, on top of the permanent resident element is just the fact that rented accommodation is often missed out by the organization that works out the ballots. Uh, I went into buildings that were just completely missed. The end result of that, like you said right at the beginning, is very much a system that's skewed towards property ownership. Many candidates do not go into apartment blocks because they don't think there's any point. That's so wrong. (laughs) What else can you say? But so wrong. Um, People know that the motivation to vote will come from detached single family homes. Yeah, these are really important things on top of the ranked ballot issue. Certainly, it would be nice to see uh, everybody addressing in the not too distant future so thanks so much for joining us today we really appreciate you making the time to join us and we'll wish the best to the process of of perhaps changing premier ford's mind he has shown in the past that he is willing to change direction given a little bit of political pressure so we'll cross our fingers that perhaps that will happen
1: here's hoping that reasonable heads will prevail
0: absolutely thanks
1: thank you